you are in a very cozy place. It's the TV rabbit hole with Jim and Harry. You know, the rabbit hole, and I was thinking about this just this morning, so it was a cool morning. The rabbit hole is very similar to a cold evening when you go into your bedroom and you get into the bed and it's chilly, but you forgot you left your heating blanket on from the previous morning. So you get in and it's just that immediate wonderful feel, that comfy, toasty feel. Is that a bad analogy? Not at all, but I've never had a heating blanket in my life. I guess some of us, uh, you know, uh, don't live as fancy a lifestyle as you, Mr. Show Business. So uh, maybe one day I'll get there. But for now, I just suffer along with the rest of us regular people that that, uh, (laughs) crawl into the cold bed at night. But uh, anyway, I get your point. How are you doing, Jim? I'm very good, man. I'm very good, and I'm glad we're doing this because this, and it, maybe this is a, a sad commentary on my uh, on my lifestyle right now, but this broadcast today, this is going to be the highlight of my work week, my friend. Oh, wow. Well, we've got a lot of pressure now because I don't think my, my show is all that good, so uh, <laughs> I'll try to keep it up here. But uh, no, actually, I'm very excited. I've got a show that uh, brings me back. We always go back to yesteryear, but I got a day's... A show that brings me back to the warm cockles of my childhood heart, so to speak. So I don't know if I'm going first or second, but I, I'm raring to go here. Well, if it goes back to your childhood, what are we doing? Fibber McGee and Molly? <laughs> That's a good joke. I told the joke. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. yeah. All right, man. No, no, no. I want you to kick it off. You've, you've piqued my interest. So uh, every week we feature two TV shows that had uh, some sort of an impact on us when we were growing up and when we were adults. So Harry Bartosiak in Chicago is going to kick it off today. Okay. Well, Jim, I think you can uh, maybe name my show in two words. Okay. You want to give it a try? In two words? Well, you got to give me a hint. Well, actually, I apologize. I already have to amend that. Three words. Um, I'm going to give you the three words. I'll start with word number one. Let's see what you can do. Okay. Okay. Word number one. Good. Probably can't name the show. Uh, no, based can't, on that. Nope, not yet. Not yet. Keep going. Uh, word number two morning. Good morning. Good morning, America? Incorrect. Okay. Good guess, though. I mean, okay. Word number three, this will give it away. Good morning, Captain. Oh, my God. Captain <laughs> no. Kangaroo Bob. Ke- no. Yes. Not? No, I thought you were going to say, oh, God, book two, the movie with George Burns. No, yes, <laughs> Captain Kangaroo. Yeah. Oh, that's great. The great Bob Keishan, of course. Uh, Bob I think he's Keishan, in the TV Hall of Fame. America's grandpa, the man with the giant pockets, 1955 to 1984 on CBS. Okay. For much of that time, an hour show every day, most days, you know, weekdays. Wow. Yeah. Um, so much to talk about with Captain Kangaroo. Did you like Captain Kangaroo? Was that kind of a thing? Was that in your childhood rotation early on? You know, I'll tell you the truth. I knew of it, and I did watch it on occasion, but it wasn't one of those shows that I regularly watched, and I don't know why. I think it's because you and I grew up in Chicago, and Chicago Mm -hmm. had WGN, which had its own program in the morning. They had Ray Rayner and Friends, and then Garfield Goose, Right. so those, those were the shows that I remember, and they were on opposite Captain Kangaroo. 
Okay, well, that's a good uh, good point. So there was some competition here in the Chicago area, but I did watch a lot of Captain Kangaroo. Captain Kangaroo, Bob Keeshan yep. had this idea for the show back in uh, 1955, and he pitched it to CBS. I guess he came up with the idea with another guy who was a friend of his I never heard of named Jack Miller, and it came up with this concept that it was basically going to be more than a show where it was like a regular thing every day. It was more like, kind of loose and they basically call it kind of a visit like hey, we'll just have this treasure house with captain kangaroo will be this guy who's supposed to be like america's grandpa and he, the 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 essence of the show according to bob what he wanted to express was he wanted to reflect the warmth and trust that grandparents have uh with children and it, this is kind of weird considering he was 28 years old at the time that he started the show. So No was, way. See, I just yeah. always think of him as being like 65. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> by then he was having his first heart attack. So, uh, but, uh, but anyway, so the, but that was the kind of thing, and I think he pulled it off. I mean, most people don't have a beef with Captain Kangaroo. There's, he never really got into any trouble. There were early rumors that he had been involved in combat in Iwo Jima during World War II with the actor Lee Marvin. Yes. Uh, yeah, this is an old wives' tale or uh, urban myth. And, uh, in fact, Bob Keeshan was in the Marine Corps, but he signed up at the tail end of the war and was still in the U.S. at the time we dropped the atomic bombs, so he never made it overseas. But the weirder rumor was that he was involved in combat with Fred Rogers, in the war, and that Mr. Oh. Rogers somehow had a criminal and violent past. Of course, that's totally untrue. I mean, but that, that rumor was circulating around the Internet before we got the real Internet, where you could research everything inside and out in about five minutes and do a podcast right. called Down the TV Rabbit Hole. Right. Uh, so that was, pro but anyway, uh, Bob Keeshan was this guy from New York, you know, like Long Island somewhere, but had, had this idea for the show. And so they started it off and um, he would do things like uh, they would, you, you might remember if you saw it just a little bit, they, you know, nothing fancy here, like reading books to kids, you know, turning the page, you could see the pictures of the book. They did light skits, uh, had some, you know, animated um, uh, drop-ins, fairly, fairly crude animation and, you know, little morality plays. But the the characters were the big thing. So they had Captain Kangaroo and he had the big, he would come into what they called the treasure house and then later they called it something else. But it was basically this house, you're presuming, is set off from wherever he lives. And inside he hangs up these big keys and then he's got some pals in there. Some are puppets, like Mr. Moose. Yes, that's the guy. Mr. That's the yeah. That's the only one I remember because he used yeah. to tell the jokes, right? He used to tell the jokes, and the jokes would always end uh, with uh, reference to ping pong balls. After which, a storm of ping pong balls would pour down over Captain Kangaroo. Bob yeah. Keeshan was used to that kind of thing because he used to spray seltzer out of a bottle all the time during his first gig. And you know what that was? Well, I mean, first uh, TV gig. Oh, his first TV gig. You know what? I do remember this. Wasn't he on uh, Howdy Doody, Buffalo Bob Smith? He, he was. He was yes. Clarabelle the Clown for a time. Wow. And, you know, a couple things that are fascinating. First of all, did you realize that Howdy Doody was one of the first shows ever on TV after World War II? It came on in 1947. No wow, shit. yeah, that predates everything, because normally they talk yeah. about, you know, Texaco Star Theater with Uncle Milty in like 1949, 1950, so wow, I didn't know that.
you must there must have been nobody watching that show except very rich people because remember how long it took i don't know about you but it took us for like 15 years to get a microwave after they came out let alone you know tv in 1947 they weren't just throwing those things around you know for free but buffalo bob everybody loves buffalo bob smith right you know the howdy doody show but apparently sure. what happened was uh bob keishan and buffalo bob got into it real good they did not they Get, didn't get, and the rumor is, and that this uh, they may be true that he was fired as Clarabelle the clown. Boy, so, that, how do you, how do you fire a clown? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but it got me to thinking. Well, yeah, I would love to have been a fly on the wall at that brew. You're uh, fired, honka 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 honka. honka. <laughs> well, I'm going to spray you with this seltzer one last time, you <laughs> bastard. <laughs> yeah. So let me ask let me ask you this: What was the the daily format of Captain Kangaroo. Right. Did they have one? Yeah, the question, they varied wildly. And that was one of the things about the show. Like, even the when they play the theme song, he would come in and sometimes there was no, like, opening theme. Sometimes they would have people saying, good morning, Captain, and there would be clips, like, pre-taped clips, sometimes from celebrities. Uh, you know, uh, they might, or sometimes regular kids on the street or whatever, but then they would show him coming in and hanging up the keys and then he would get right into it. Usually talking to Mr. Moose, doing some corny jokes, but there was nothing in particular for any given day. It was usually some variation of some skits with some of the characters, which I'll talk a little bit more about in a minute, uh, puppets, Mr. Moose, Mr. Bunny Rabbit. And they were usually uh, cheap jokes, but they were, you know, it, everything was geared towards kids and being warm and friendly. So sure. there might be a little morality lesson. He would talk at the end of the show about whatever you're going to think of all the things that you could do today. And then he would say, you know, they would be, there was a show they had on there also called the kingdom of could be you. They would show those clips. You know, butcher baker, candle maker could be you look at all the things you can do. Look what could be you. So they'd have, you know, like these clips like that, but then they would yep. have the, the funny skits with Mr. Moose and the ping pong balls. They would have, uh, Mr. Green Jeans would visit. Uh, he was played by an actor named Hugh Lumpy Branham. And he really went by Lumpy, apparently. Really? Yeah, he would wear green overalls. He was with the show almost the whole time. And uh, he would do skits, too. Like, either he's, you know, he was like kind of a handyman. He'd fix things or he'd plant things. He would come and do things. Like, I, I saw a clip recently where he was... Uh, showing how a plant grows, and they were, you know, speeding it up in kind of real time using some cheap animations. Hugh Lumpy Branham uh, is that interesting story. He was actually a singer, and he started off with the Fred Waring and the Pennsylvanians. And I know oh, you wow. being a musician extraordinaire. You know how we talk about sometimes like the old, my, my parents used to have old records by Mitch Miller or sure. you know, things like that. Well, Fred Waring was in that uh that category like and then like the most boring sounding music you ever heard but it was good music but it's you know more like lawrence welk and things like that so yeah i, but, I uh, always got fred waring and um guy lombardo confused because they always sounded the exact same to me but mr green jeans was in now here's a man after your own heart he grew up in chicago and played the tuba in his high school band wow so, yeah did they say so, did they say what high school that, that that's really cool no no, okay. I'd have to dig deeper for that research, but they said, you know, he was in the marching band, played a sousaphone and the whole bit. So, uh, yeah. you know, I know that I've seen your pilot for your show, which you don't mind I mentioning, Mr. Tuba's Fun Time Band, which I think has a can Captain Kangaroo type of a vibe to it, to be honest with you. Come on in here. Come on in here. 
mischievous fun time band. I, I knew a little bit about Captain Kangaroo. We did the pilot, and I actually was working with the Fred Rogers, well, whatever is left of Fred Rogers Production Company, um, and they still produce children's shows. And I sent it to them, and we were going back and forth, and they said the same thing. They said, "Hey, you know, were you influenced by Captain Kangaroo?" And I told them, "Well, not really." Yeah. I said I was really more intre- uh, uh, inspired by Ray Rayner and Friends and Garfield mm-hmm. Goose and uh, what was the show, uh, BJ and Dirty Dragon. And, of course, they knew the Chicago guys, so they said, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, uh, but now that you talk more about Captain Kangaroo, I think you're exactly right. I think there are a lot of similarities. Now, another behind-the-scenes guy was named Cosmo Allegretti. He was the puppeteer behind Mr. Moose. But you okay. saw him on the show as a guy who was a painter also which he literally was when the show started. He painted sets, uh, but he had, a, he had a hard exterior shell appearance, and they didn't want to have him appear too much on camera because they thought he would scare the kids. So they made him a puppeteer, and he did Mr. Moose and uh, Mr. Uh, rabbit, Mr. Bunny Rabbit, I should say, which was a little rabbit that did uh, uh, Captain Kangaroo did skits with as well. Captain Kangaroo had a relationship with Schwinn Bicycles, and he would promote the hell out of Schwinn Bicycles in the 50s and 60s. But then did you know, and he couldn't do that anymore after a while, because there was an FTC ruling, Federal Trade Commission ruling, prohibiting, specifically prohibiting children's television hosts from endorsing products on their show. Really? Yeah. What was there? Was Was this like a mass thing where... These hosts were like evangelists telling kids, kids, go into your mom's purse right now and buy this product so I can profit from it. I didn't know it was a big problem. Well, supposedly Soupy Sales once told the kids, and of course Soupy Sales had a kid's show too at the time, supposedly he told the kids to go to their parents' rooms and find those little plastic counting cards and call him with the numbers. (laughs) 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 some variation of that that. i don't know yeah Yeah, some variation uh and i got to thinking about you know uh also like different things i saw on children's television shows and one thing i saw that you never see on tv anymore this i probably only really saw in bozo circus but it always fascinated me and i would pay money to see this live in person is plate spinning uh, you know, when somebody would have these large poles, like 50 of them, and they'd put china plates up on top and then start spinning them all at once, and then they had the same music. You know, there, there's, actually, there's actually, there's actually a, a title to that song. Do you know what it's called? Flight of the Bumblebee or something like that? No, you're close, though. You're in the, you're in the right genre. It's called the Saber Dance. When they would do it, you'd be like, wow, that's cool. And then just when you were start getting uh, getting bored yeah. with it, there'd be like one plate on the end. You'd be like, oh, that one's going to fall. That was, And then you'd yeah. run over yeah. to get it. And you're like, wait, but wait a minute. The other one's going to fall. And then he'd run it's, to the other side. <laughs> in 1981, Bob yeah. Keeshan suffered a heart attack. And then I'm not saying the show went downhill after that. But that's when the heavies from the corporate office, from the network, started to come down on him. Pretty soon they sh- shut his show down to a half hour. And then yeah. by 1984, 83, 84, it was on the weekends only, and then uh, canceled. Keishan, you're out. You, well, you're I, fired. 
I actually know the real story behind all of that, if you want to hear it, and it's kind of ugly. I'd love to. So the story is that back in, I think it was the 50s, when they started the Today Show with Uh Dave Garraway and J. Fred Muggs, the Today Show became very popular. Opposite, of course, was Captain Kangaroo, and then ABC finally in the 70s came up with Good Morning America. So fast forward, and CBS had always tried to get a foothold on the mornings with news. They had Captain Kangaroo, but they actually had a morning show, believe it or not, with Dick Van Dyke. He was one of the hosts. What? They e- really? Yeah, they even yeah they even tried Walter Cronkite in the morning, and I think mm-hmm. this would have been maybe this was the fifties. But anyway, they get to the seventies, and Bob Keeshan's doing Captain Kangaroo. The Today Show's real strong. Good Morning America is is coming up, and they're and they're a viable option. And the network executives at CBS said, "Geez, we'd love to get you know a morning show because Captain Kangaroo generated some income, but you're." Obviously, it was geared toward a young audience. It wasn't geared toward, you know, consumers that are buying cars and buying anything for the house. Right. So exec- executives at CBS said, what the heck can we do? We got, we got the Captain Kangaroo. So it's like mid to late 70s. And they say, you know what? Uh, maybe we should cancel Captain Kangaroo. Well, Bob Keeshan gets wind of this. Yeah. And he goes to the press. Or maybe one of his people went to the press. And there was... You know, a story that was floated out that said, hey, they're thinking about canceling Captain Kangaroo. Well, of course, the kids go crazy. The moms go crazy. Millions of letters. And I really believe maybe it wasn't millions, but hundreds of thousands of letters flood CBS. You can't cancel Captain Kangaroo, blah, blah, blah. And and so CBS, God, we're going to look horrible. So they kept it on the air. Then, of course, Bob had the heart attack, and that gave him the chance yeah. to go ahead and say, hey, Bob, let's let's cut it back, cut it back, cut it back. And like you say, in 84, they canceled it, and yeah. they started the CBS Morning News. Right. So uh, that's a great story. I appreciate you filling it's a in terrible, the gaps there. No, it's really it's a terrible TV, uh, uh, but it, you know, it's, it's the reality of the way it works behind the scenes in television. As you know, it's, it's not pretty. And then it got even worse because, of course, they tried a reboot after that in the in the '90s with some other jackass as Captain Kangaroo, and it oh. was it was you know syndicated and it didn't last very long. And they asked Bob Keeshan to come along as some kind of a you know a rear admiral or something like that character, and he said no oh. thanks. So you know it was a good show. Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe not the world's most earth-shattering report on my end, but I thought it was worth worth uh, going over. Well, I've picked a show that, uh, ironically, you kind of alluded to, so I, this isn't going to be any sort of a big surprise, but it was on from 1961 to 1998, and uh, I, I'm just going to go it. ahead. Uh, no, let me do my – I have to do my recreation <laughs> of the open, okay? All right, ready? All right, yeah. Be quiet. you got to listen close. Here we go. Dun, 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 spending the globe to bring you the constant variety of sport. Dun, 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 the thrill of victory. Dun, 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 <laughs> and the agony of defeat. Dun, dun, oh. dun, 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 the human drama of athletic competition. Dun, 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 dun. This is ABC's Wide World of Sports. Dun, dun, dun. All right. <laughs> Tell you what, I'm excited. Right up until the end, I thought it was the Soupy Sales Show. But I watched this, too. ABC's oh. Wide World of Sports. Now, this was Saturday. a show that... Yeah, Wintertime. We all, I mean, this influenced our life, everybody, because, uh, I mean, a lot of times, how many times did, did you make a joke when you're, like, playing football or riding your yeah. bike, and you the agony of defeat? <laughs> all the time. 
that that guy got more mileage out. I don't think he ever made any money off of it. But that skier. You know what? Uh, Let me, give me one minute, and I'll get to him because that's okay. it's such a great story. Uh, it was on from '61 to '98. Everyone associates Ruin Arledge with Wild World of Sports. He was the producer, but it was actually created by a guy named Edgar Sherrick. He had um, his own company, and he started to produce these sports shows. Then ABC in 61 bought it and said, okay, you know what? We're going to buy your company. You're the president of it, but ABC is going to turn it into wide world of sports. And that's when Rune Arledge started to come in and everything started to gel. But before Rune Arledge did wide world of sports, he was with the Dumont network and NBC. And you know what his, his big coming out party was his big success that launched him to the presidency of ABC news and sports. He, he produced a puppet show that starred Sherry Lewis and Lamb Chop. Rune Arledge did? That was his big, oh, this guy's an up-and-comer. And then he went to work for uh, ABC in the early 60s. And he, he actually, when he was with, he was the producer of Wild World of Sports. He Whoa. actually, he wrote a memo, which is supposedly this legendary memo, to everybody. And he said, hey, listen, with Wild World of Sports, Wild World of Sports, he says, these are the things that we've got to do. We've got to produce it up. We've got to feature. We've got to. And, and the number one thing was the fact that he wanted these shows not just to, to appeal to men, but he wanted to appeal to women, too. And that was even true with the AFL football uh, uh, broadcast. Really? Right. Like with Joe Namath and the pantyhose and stuff like that? Well, and that came later. But in the 60s, yeah. Rune Arledge said, hey, we got to make this interesting to women, too. Yeah. And for, well, that for makes wild, sense. yeah. and for Wild World of Sports, you know, I mean, in the 60s and 70s, and that was probably its real heyday, its sweet spot for us, they would, and it was all low cost programming. Because you got to right. remember, this ABC was the third network, and they were a distant third. So that's why they would go out and they would cover, throw out some of the, some of the obscure sports that you remember on ABC okay. Wild World of Sports. Right. Oh, I love this. Yeah. Weightlifting. Mm -hmm. uh, they would do ski jumping, of course, like they would yes. do the alpine sports, even cross country skiing sometimes. Stuff that was you know, going to be happening. Um, you would see uh, bicycle racing, uh, yep. bowling all the time. Yep. Uh, uh, what else? Um, I can't remember if there was any auto sports on there. I'm sure they incorporated yes. some of their uh, race coverage. Uh, they, yeah. So, uh, what am I missing? I mean, I, oh. I could think of all the other obscure sorts, but I remember just about anything on there. Um, well, you're exactly right. It was Saturday afternoons and even during football season, you know, all the games were on, on yeah. Sundays and college football is very regional. You know, in Chicago, you'd get a Notre Dame game, right. but he, he, you know, other than that, what's going on on Saturday. So they would, they would go ahead and televise and they'd, they'd spend almost no money to get the production rights they'd go to these people like for instance you remember the barrel jumping they would do the, oh the god ice skaters oh, and they yeah. jump over the barrels yeah now i do i forgot yeah. about that yeah well they'd go to these guys and you know it might be big in dumont texas you know it's the big dumont texas barrel jumping rally or a better analogy would be the great dumont texas rodeo that they have once a year and maybe people from dallas and houston come but it's extremely regional so you'd go to yeah. the guy who's organizing the event and say, hey, we're with ABC. We want to come out, videotape this whole thing, 
and then a week or two later, they would edit it down and really turn it into a production, you know, with interviews and stuff like that. And uh, they mm-hmm. have the, the hosts maybe do a little uh, a fun uh, a fun feature where they actually try to ride the bull. But they'd go to the organizer and say, hey, we want to put this on TV. Uh, we'll give you $1,000. $1,000? Come on in, brother. Oh, we'll give you <laughs> Get this man yeah. a chair. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, they paid nothing, basically. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is, yeah, I mean, so you're right, it was cheap programming. Those events were going to happen no matter what. They didn't have to stage anything. They just get their trucks out there. And yep. The, 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 I'm remembering the quality of the camera work. I have no memory of the quality of the camera work, but I'm guessing that it wasn't super high level for some of these things, one or two maybe, and that's about it. No, they, they actually would go out there, and they didn't need a live truck because they weren't doing it live. Later, they started doing live events in the 80s and 90s, but they'd go out there with videotape, not film, videotape, and they would get a bunch of stuff on tape, then they'd bring it back to New York or wherever, they'd edit it down, uh, they'd do some post-production, add a lot of graphics, really make it look clean, and tell you why the hell... You should be interested in this rodeo. Hey, you know, this Texas rodeo has been going on for over 50 years. And let me bring in our analyst, uh, uh, Dexter Lamont, who has been the number one champion for the steer rustlers for the last four years. And and then he'd come in, he'd have a big belt buckle. <laughs> How you Dexter doing there, Lamont, champ? You know? <laughs> and so, I mean, they would really show you. They'd talk about, you know, this famous guy. And, oh, well, you know, he was the champion. But for two years now, he's had trouble and he's trying to come back. And you don't remember the names of any of these guys. But they would make it interesting. You'd be like, oh, boy, I really hope the old guy wins. I hope he can reclaim his right. title in the... You Hayward, Wisconsin. Behind me, you see the green woods of the Northwoods and the beautiful Wisconsin sky. And just below me, well, this, well, this is a log, but it's a very special kind of log. You're going to see at the World Log Rolling Championships this afternoon, the best in the world at this event, trying to spin each other off logs like this one at very high speeds. It's quite an event. In addition, you'll see lumberjacks at wood sawing, wood chopping, and you'll see men scaling poles 100 feet high for time and in a tree-topping event. Well, just like they did, Jim, you're right, just like they did with their Olympic coverage, and that's what most people like. Like they, you know, you're never going to see these people again. You don't know who the hell they are, but once you give them a little three-minute backstory, you're all in for, you know, now I'm all of a sudden the biggest Sean White fan, you know, or whoever it is. So maybe that's where they... uh, Rune Arledge, uh, you know, honed that uh, technique uh, because didn't he have something to do with their Olympic coverage? I would imagine he would. You you couldn't have said it better because in the 60s he was doing Wild World of Sports and then I think in 68 is when ABC got their first Olympics. And Rune Arledge at that point I think was president of sports. So he was the one that went to the Olympic Committee and said, hey, listen, this is what we're going to do. We're going to, rather than just show, you know, two hours, we're going to show 12 hours and we're going to show – the cliff diving and we're going to show um the, the cycling and all the speed skating and 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 so the olympic committee and granted abc paid a lot of money although yeah. relatively speaking nothing compared to what they pay now but ruin Arledge was really the the father of olympic television coverage because he would tell those stories and, wow. and, and yeah. it'll get you excited about it eric hyden or a Mary Lou Retton, although gymnastics is always kind of mainstream, but I'm trying to think of the girl that um, there was a, a fig, not a figure skater, a speed skater. Dorothy from Hamill. Champagne. Well, Dorothy Hamill, you know, the figure skating was always kind of big, too. But you're exactly right. I mean, he's the one that bon- put these people. Bonnie Blair. That's it. Bonnie Blair. Yes. Very good. I watched. 
Wow. Yeah. Well, let me let me go back in time here and just talk about some of the sports that they featured on Wide World of Sports, and just feel free, uh, feel free to chime in on any of these. But I, I saw Bonnie Blair at a bar, by the way, one time. Really? Was it? Field. Yeah. No, how'd she look? She looked exactly the same, except she had a beer in her hand rather than skates on. Really? That's good to know. So she's yeah. so she's aged well. Well, this was like twenty-five years ago. Oh, 20 okay. years ago, maybe. So she looked about the same. I'm, I'm guessing, you know, I don't know. Let's look her up. But <laughs> All right. She, that she ju- looked okay. I'll put that yeah. in the corrections. I'll tell everyone how Bonnie Blair is looking now in 2020. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Listen to some of these sports, and you know a lot of these. Um, ABC Wild World of Sports was the first to, to broadcast curling, mm-hmm. high alai. Yeah, I Fire- They did firefighter competitions. you remember that? Vaguely, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, wrist wrestling, which of course you know, arm wrestling, whatever you want to call it, as you yeah. said, powerlifting, mm-hmm. surfing. Oh, surfing was awesome to watch. Loved it. Yep. Yeah, they'd go out to Hawaii or some island in the Pacific with the huge waves, and we're all you know we're sitting there in Chicago, Illinois, we're like, holy cow! And it's the middle that of the looks winter. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we should go to Hawaii. Oh yeah, we don't have the money for it. Sorry. Yeah. Well, they would do. <laughs> but that they was would nice also to see on TV. They would also do the logger sports where they'd climb up to the top of the big pole and they'd have to cut off a top of the, the pole with a chainsaw and then come down yep. real fast and the log roll and all that stuff. I mean, that's is that even a, a sport? I mean, is it? I don't think so, no. I mean, I but, don't remember watching a lot of these, the, the very fringe things. Like I, I vaguely remember the firefighter, but I know, you know, the when they had the strong men pulling the car and stuff like that, I never watched that shit. So, but back then, I probably even turned that off. But Really? I, well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It just didn't interest me. But I, what I liked was what you just said about Hawaii. That's what I liked about the superstars, which later became part of ABC's White All right, wait, wait. wait. No, you're exactly right. You're getting you're getting ahead of me. Hold on a second. Let me just finish my list here. Okay. So, <laughs> some of the other sports, and you're going to laugh. at. I'm going to go fast, so feel free to laugh at any point. Demolition Derby, slow pitch mm-hmm. softball. Oh, God, I remember that. With celebrities, right? Uh, it doesn't say, but yes, I know they did some with celebrities. Barrel jumping, which we mentioned. Yeah. And even badminton. Oh, God. No, I don't remember that. I'm just seeing this note, and I forgot about this. Uh-huh. There was, a con- there was a Continental Football League. Do you remember the Continental Football League? I certainly do. The Chicago Wind were a member of the Continental okay. Football League, if well, I remember correctly. Oh, no, no, maybe not. But I remember okay. the Continental Football League, yeah. Well, they had, they had a lone season, I guess. Uh, it was a 19, well, it was the only one that was ever on TV. The 1966 Continental Football League Championship game was broadcast by Wild World of Sports, and ABC paid the league $500 for the rights fee. <laughs> oh, for, for a real football game. Yeah, I don't remember. That was older than what I was remembering, but $500 in 1966 was actually probably like, what, about ten grand nowadays? Or not, no, well, that's yeah, not you, a hand, yeah. You could probably buy a secondhand car for. You could probably get a nineteen. Let's see. You probably get a what would have been an early sixties car, like a nineteen sixty two Chevy Impala four door, that light green with the vinyl top. You'd probably get one of those for five hundred bucks. No shit, really. I'm I take that I'm car nowadays. Yeah. Oh, wow. sure. Okay, but yeah. So they did everything, everything here. And yep. did they always use well, the same announcers? I can't remember. I remember Cosell no. doing the boxing. Yes. 
No, it was it, but, the, the main host, of course, was Jim McKay for all those years. He was usually right? the guy that set it up. And the list of co-hosts is endless. A lot of people that you don't even know. I could go down the list. but Can, uh, I, can I guess a couple? Sure. Now, when you say co-host, I mean the man or the woman on the scene, right, the, who's doing yes. the play-by-play. right? So it, I'm exactly. guessing J- Jim Lampley would be one Ex- of them. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Chris Schenkel, who did the bowling, I think he did yes. some things too, right? Yep. yep. Um, I'm guessing that they put Keith Jackson to work once in a while. On this Very show. good. Yeah. Uh, and then, then I'm going to recognize all the other names, but I'll let you go from here on out because I'm well. I uh, can't Tim Brandt. Here Tim we go. Brand, Tim yeah. Cosell, Chris Economaki. He was the guy that did uh, yeah. motorsports. Yeah. Uh, Bill Fleming doing. Bill Fleming doing ice skating. Let's see, where's Jack Aroot? I'm sure he's in here. Uh, Michaels did it for a while. Uh, uh-huh. Chris Schenkel, Al Troutwig, remember him? Oh, Troutwig, big in the Olympics, yeah. Paul Page did a lot of the motorsports too. Yeah. Let's see, uh, Sterling Moss, and then as you get into the 70s and 80s, Lynn Swan and O.J. Simpson. Uh, even Don- Dandy Don and Frank Gifford did some stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, Jackie Stewart, of course. So it was it was really, I mean, all the guys that you remember, especially for the major sports, they were part right. of Wide World of Sports back in the 70s and 80s when we remember it. Now, the show was so successful that they actually had spinoffs. Hmm. And, like and you kids' hit, versions? No, no, no. You know, like a, like a spinoff, like, like Laverne and Shirley was a spinoff of Happy Days. Okay. Well, how do you spin this off? They went out and they covered the Oklahoma Rattle Snake Hunt Championships, where people actually go and hunt for rattlesnakes. They bring them back at the end of the day, and whoever has the longest and the heaviest and the, the rattlesnake with the most beads on his rattle, they would all win. So they did that in 1964, and they turned that into the American Sportsman, hosted by Kirk Dowdy. Oh, that was a spinoff. I love that yep. show. Now, that was one of the first outdoorsman-type shows. That, yep. I mean, there was Wild Kingdom with, uh, what was his name? Um, Marlon Perkins. That, Marlon Perkins. And then he had the, the, he had his assistant, Jim, who was the guy who was always really about to get bit by the cougar or whatever. Sure. Um, Marlon stayed in the car uh, most of the time. <laughs> no, no, but, no. Uh, no the, he, they had a camp set up for him. They have this big tent, and he'd be uh, sitting on a log. <laughs> yeah, and, right. and he had a cup that probably had gin in it. And he'd yeah. read the thing. And what they didn't show is if you zoomed out a little bit, next to him was this huge RV, 60 foot long, with a bunch yeah. of girls inside, you know. Yeah. But you're right, Jim was like, the guy. Jim, watch out, Jim. That vulture is about to pinch your neck. And also, uh, in 61, Wild World of Sports covered a bowling event uh, with Roy Lown and Pat P- uh, Patterson, people I don't remember. But it was so successful, and as you said, in 1962, that's when ABC said, hey, you know what, let's just cover bowling all the time. And they had, I think it was Chris Schenkel, right, yeah. and Nelson Burton this, Jr. This is Chris Schenkel along with Nelson Burton Jr. and <laughs> Earl Anthony. First, we brought yep. this is brought to you by Stroh's signature beer tastes better out of brown bottles. <laughs> Sponsor yep. of our great ABC. We're here from Arlington Heights, Illinois, Brunswick Lanes, and then they show the proprietor. Here's here's Len Schlebeau, the owner of the lanes, and they show the whole family. And they'd, they'd have I I would have loved to go to one of those bowling tournaments. Because you get that they had the chairs all pushed up where there's normally not seating in a bowling alley. Like these were just regular bowling alleys, and there's people smoking and drinking. <laughs> yeah, and, no, you're you know, right. 
You're on TV. Sure. I, I remember wondering, I'm like, you know, is this really a sport if, if a, a necessary piece of the equipment is the ashtray? Yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing. You could smoke and drink. You can do whatever the hell you want as long as you throw that ball down the lane. I loved watching pro ball, and that was in the wintertime, too. I mean, you're not yep. watching bowling if you got baseball or football to watch, but there no, ain't nothing but it else was, on. You it was Saturday afternoon, and if it's not yeah. college football season, there ain't nothing. I mean, there might right. be, you know, in, in, in all the sports were regional at that point. You could watch a Blackhawks game, but they were usually on at night. Maybe an NBA right. game, but again, those are all regional, so... They would put bowling on, especially if it's on in the middle of the afternoon. And I'm going to ask you a $1,000 bowling trivia question. Did you pick that because that's what ABC used to pay people for the wide world of sports filming rights? Yes, exactly. I still have a blank check here for $1,000 with Rune Arledge's signature. So if you can get it right, I will fill in Harry Bartosiak. You ready? Uh, Heat's on, but I'm ready. All right. Okay. Who was the professional bowler? who used to wear two separate pairs of plaid pants, but he'd cut them in half so it'd be like one half was green plaid and the other half was orange plaid. One leg would be green, the other would be orange, and of course it wouldn't be a matching plaid pattern either. Um, Marshall Holman. Mm, No. Mm. When I say the name, you're going to scream because you're going to remember. I'm going to kill right. myself. Not, I'm not going to kill myself. It's not worth that. But, um, okay, go ahead. I'm, I'm pissed now because I, I know I'm going to know this. Ready? And I, I'm going to put a picture of him when we post this uh, When we post this podcast. His name was Guppy Troop. Oh, well, I don't know who that is. I would never would have oh. got that. No kidding. Oh, okay. Guppy Troop, I don't feel so bad. Guppy Troop. Okay, yep. yeah. Sorry, missed yeah, his- that era. You mentioned the superstars. That was also a spinoff of Wired World of Sports. They did it on Wired World, and they said, hey, this is good. And then they did the superstars. And they're like, Gabe Kaplan, you have to shave your yeah. armpit hair if you're going to wear those those well, tight-fitting uh, 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 shirts. Yeah, those guys, there was too much hair on the, on the men on that show. It made me nervous. But you're getting see that's the thing you're getting ahead of yourself because the superstars was actually was actually like Joe Frazier in the swimming oh, competition right. yeah it was actually athletes and then that's they right. turned it in to you know the battle of the network stars superstars whatever you want to call it and that's when you'd get Don Adams doing the obstacle course and sorry uh, Jim you're Fawcett right in a rowboat so but no you're it was all the same thing I mean it was yeah. it was all the same cash grab as we say in the business right I loved it though I thought it was great both of them superstars right. was awesome. Love this that show. Well, and our, our buddy John Kuhn wants us to do an entire uh, uh, show just on the superstars and the Battle of the Network stars, which we could do because there is enough stuff out there. There, there are yeah. plenty of clips on YouTube of, you know, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think. Who is the big one? Robert Conrad, for some reason. Seemed Always. To be in, yeah, way, yeah. Way over the top, way too into it. Now, we can't talk about Wild World of Sports without talking about it's breakout star, the most famous performer slash athlete on Wide World of Sports. And, uh, I can't and we it. end where we begin, right? Well, I can't believe you haven't brought him up already because he's the guy that back in 1967 had one of the greatest schemes of all time and went from someone nobody knew to somebody everybody knew in a matter of like one week. I'm talking about the original Daredevil, the original X Games man. I'm talking about Evil Knievel. I'd like to introduce to you a most unusual young man. This is Evil Knievel, and uh, his specialty in sports is to take a motorcycle up over a ramp and leap through the air some 90 feet. That's what he's going to try to do today, over 15 automobiles. Now, have you ever done 15 before, Evil? Bill, I never have. I uh, 
missed a jump up in the northwestern part of the United States over 13, and I was uh, hospitalized and laid up for nearly five months, and I sure hope that doesn't happen today. Wow, how many cars uh, were you attempting at that time? 13. 13, and you missed it? That's right. You're trying 15 today? Well, the parachute's ready, the uh, motorcycle's ready, and I'm ready, and I'm not going to miss today. Oh, my God. I'll never forget watching him jump those buses in Caesar's Palace, make it. Sure. Well, I'll no, never... he jumped... He jumped the he jumped the fountains at Caesar's Palace. He oh, jumped he the buses yeah. in in London at Wembley Stadium, I believe. That's and when he, he did didn't the Didn't he buses. hit the bus? Did he? Yep. I think he crashed on the bus. Yeah. And then the worst, best slash worst. By then we were really built up for action. We're waiting for him to jump some sharks in Chicago, like at Chicago yes. Stadium. He was going to jump over, and he never showed up. I think he got hurt in in uh, the warm ups or something like that, and it never happened. But it was a live TV event that you were watching forever and ever. It was like when you watch the Geraldo Rivera breaks right. into Al Capone's vault and you're waiting. Okay, where's the where's the, the loot? Where's the money? No, not, I don't give a shit about the broken bottles. Where's the money? And it never happens. It was the same thing with the evil Knievel jumping well, the sharks. You know, I love the fact that your memory is so good. And so let me just go backward chronologically to fill in some of the blanks. But again, your memory is awesome. We're going to start in 67. The first time Evil was actually on Wide World of Sports. And this, and I read this in, in, in two Evil Knievel books. Greatest scam of all time, which you couldn't pull today. But Evil Knievel was basically based, yeah, I think Butte, Montana is where he grew up. So he'd do a lot of these motorcycle shows in the Northwest. Maybe he'd go to the South. Maybe he'd go to California on occasion. But no one knew who Evil Knievel was. But he decides that he wants to jump the fountains at Caesar's Palace. So what does he do? And maybe interject if you've heard this story before. Yeah. But he calls the president of Caesar's Palace, and he says, yeah, hi, my name is uh, uh, Joe Swanson over here at ABC Sports. Uh, wondering, uh, we'd like to come out and, and cover that evil Knievel who's going to be jumping the fountains there at Caesar's Palace on his motorcycle. W would you allow us to do that? He says, what? Who the hell is this? Evil Knievel? I've never heard of that guy. I, forget it. So then he'd call a couple days later says, yeah, hi, this is Merv Rettman. I'm with Associated Press. We want to come out and cover Evil Knievel jumping the fountains <laughs> at Caesar's Palace. Like, what? Says, Associated Press? Yeah. I don't know anything about this. So we do that two or three or four different times over, over a week. Then he called ABC Sports. He said, listen, he says, I think you guys should cover this, uh, a this Evil Knievel who's going to be jumping the fountains at Caesar's Palace. What? Some guy's jumping the fountains at Caesar's? No, I don't want to. So finally, he calls... The, the president of Caesars, he says, yeah, hi, this is Evil Knievel. Uh, listen, I'd, uh, I, I really want to come out and jump the fountains at Caesars. He says, Jesus Christ, everybody's been calling me about you. Thank God we've finally been put together. All right, let's make it happen. So, and then Evil it does the same thing. To he says, yeah, Evil Knievel, I'm jumping the fountains. You guys should, yeah, well, you know, we've heard about you. Okay. So sure as shit, <laughs> the, whole, the whole thing comes together. Now, it came together in the fact that ABC said, well, yeah, okay, maybe we'll cover it. The fact is, they really didn't come out and cover it. But Caesars allowed Evil to jump the phones. So Evil goes to John Derrick, who at the time was married to Linda Evans. Mm -hmm. And he pays John Derrick, maybe it was $10,000. I don't know. He says, John, I want you to film this for me so that we can take this film. And after I'm done, after I'm successful, we can sell it to ABC or sell it to whoever. So John Derrick right. says, okay, let's do it. Great. So John Derrick is using one camera. He's actually got Linda Evans manning the second camera, which is the one that captures him 
coming down on the ramp and then going over the handlebars and almost oh, yeah. being run. She's the camera Iconic. person, Linda she Evans. Did that? And she's like, oh, my God, he's going to hit me. And sure enough, she was far enough, I guess, to the right of evil. And he went by and <laughs> and he nearly, well, and here's here's the old wives' tale. People say he was in a coma for 29 days. Yeah, broke and, every bone in his body six right, times. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's all bullshit. Now, he did get beat up, and he did go to the hospital. He stayed in the hospital for however long. But the cool thing about it is that it's like three, four, five, six days later, and Evil's, you know, finally starting to come out of it. I mean, he wasn't in a coma, but he wasn't really, you know, he wasn't himself. So it's maybe, I don't know, maybe a week later, maybe 10 days later, whatever. John Derrick comes to him, and he says, hey, man, he says, uh, you know, I got the films and everything. And Evil Evil said, you realize, he said, I was in a coma, and granted, whether it was a day, two days, but he said, you very easily could have taken that film and sold it to the highest bidder and had it on every network, and yet, here I am, you didn't know if I died, you came to me and you, you said, you know, here it is, it's all yours, he says, boy, that's really an honest guy, and I think whatever Evil got for that first jump, he split with John Derrick, and I don't know how the, the but wow. Evil was very impressed with the fact that John Derrick didn't just take that film, said, oh, nope, I can go anywhere with it, forget it. And, of course, that's what put Evil on the map because they showed that jump on ABC, and then, of course, Evil became a feature, jumping like every six months. Like you say, he jumped uh, 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 the buses at Wembley Stadium, and then uh, the, the biggest, the highest-rated show, highest-rated show of all time, Wide World of Sports, is when Evil Knievel jumped his furthest distance, and I think he jumped buses there. At King's Island, he jumped 133 feet. He that did. Was at that and amusement you, park. And, you know, um, he he could have beat that by, uh, and done 133 feet, three inches, if they would have laid down Mike Brady's plans next to the last <laughs> bus. But they Damn skipped it. that. He, he was well, worried they, that he might not make it, but, uh, you know, they, it turns out he had plenty of clearance. Well, he couldn't. The problem was he couldn't find the plans because Jan oh, had put the, yeah. you know, Jan had the plans and <laughs> okay. he only had that stupid Yogi Bear, you know, that Yogi Bear uh, poster. So th- that's the reason he only <laughs> okay. went 133. Yeah. And, oh, and of course, could have been a contender. You mentioned the, uh, the the time where Evil Can Evil jumped the shark. Now, this is great. This is classic because Evil is getting greedy. And he goes to CBS, and CBS had their Sports Spectacular, I think is what they called it. Yeah. And this is the true story. And again, I read this in the book. Telly Savalas was the host of the Sports Spectacular. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and they had all these... Baby. They had these daredevils, and there was one guy, and you remember him. He's the guy that would sit on the chair and blow himself. No, he would get in the, in the the uh, into the trunk and blow himself up with dynamite. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they had they had that guy and I think they had a guy in a car that like just jumped into cardboard boxes or something uh and he did like a full 360 and he land I don't know but you mentioned Evil Can Evil jumping the shark which is what th- the big highlight was going to be Chicago Stadium Evil Can Evil jumps over this big tank that has sharks in it well first of all the sharks weren't even man eaters and a couple of them died before they actually you know did the jump okay. so it's it's the day before, and the producers are saying, Evil, you know, we need to have a run-through here. You've got to do – I don't know how you're going to do it. I mean, you can make the ramp short, over, but for production value, for production purposes, we need to see you do a run-through on the motorcycle. I'm not – I only jump once, blah, blah, blah. So finally, he's in his trailer, 
and evil, please, can we get you to do it? He goes, and evil comes out and he's drunk. Oh, drunk no. Drunk and so While we're on said, TV, TV's broadcasting no, no, no. right now. No, so no, 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 no. This yeah. is the run through. This is the day before. Oh, okay? day before. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So they're just doing this for blocking purposes, for lighting purposes, whatever. You know, they need to see it once so they know how to shoot it. They know how to light it. They know how to produce it. They know how to mic it, for God's sake. So evil comes out. He goes, All right, God damn it. I'll give you your run through. So he comes out. He's drunk, takes a motorcycle, starts it up, vroom, just goes to the back, doesn't even do anything, jumps, crashes. He's in the hospital, and they actually, luckily, were filming or taping. Oh I think there God. was videotape. <laughs> but Telly Savalas, he doesn't want to say, hey, you know what? Uh, evil crashed yesterday, and we're not going to show it. So they get to the end of the broadcast. Time for the shark junk. Uh, you know what? We've just learned of the fact that Evil Evil in a test run yesterday, uh, had an accident, and then they show him crashing. And maybe they, maybe they didn't even show the crash. I can't remember. I don't even remember that. Yeah, I just remember they said yeah. that he had been hurt. That's the absolute true story. So while Evil Knievel's watching this live broadcast, he's in the hospital with broken arms or whatever because he tried to jump over the sharks drunk. <laughs> oh, my God. Did he make it? No, no, no. He crashed. He crashed. I but think, he didn't go I, into the pool with the sharks, though. No, because I think the, the ramps were, you know, the ramps were extended far enough over the shark. So, I mean, the, the chances of him landing in the pool were remote anyway. I mean, he'd have to be like, you know, he'd have to only cover two thirds of the distance for him to actually go into he the He would shark have had been aiming for the sharks almost. To <laughs> crash right. into there. <laughs> okay, half speed. Okay, get it up to 35. <laughs> Boom, a splash, you know. <laughs> this was definitely a, a study in contrast. We did Captain Kangaroo and Wide World. World of sports. <laughs> but, wow. Yeah. But both classic, a lot of material there. Uh, and I thank you for picking Captain Kangaroo because that's one that, again, it just kind of fell through the sieve. It kind of uh, fell, it, it kind of slipped between my fingers. I remember it, but I don't remember the particulars. So thanks so much for thinking of it. Well, you know what? Um, I wish I had a load of ping pong balls to drop down on you from the other side of the computer, but uh, just the thought of watching the superstars again or the pro bowlers tour uh, gives me uh, the warm feeling I need to get through till next week when we do our next episode. Well, so I appreciate you know what? that. Here's the thing. You know I sometimes throw clips into the show as long as there's not music associated with them. So why, yeah. don't, we en- why don't we end this episode with a classic joke from Mr. Moose and Captain Kangaroo. Roll the tape! Why can't a moose be president? Well, I don't know why a moose, no reason. Of course, you have to be 35 years old to be president. 35? Right. Do people really get that old? Take my word for it. Wow! Yeah, that means you're not old enough to be president. No, I guess not. I suppose I'll have to give up the campaign. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, so am I. Yes. I was going to make a campaign promise that there'd be a rabbit in every pot. What? He was just kidding. Yeah, I was just kidding. He was kidding, just kidding, buddy. Just a joke, buddy. Yeah, he, he probably meant a chicken yeah, in every that's pot. Yeah, that, that's right. what I meant, a yeah, chicken. chicken. Sorry. Right. Yeah, like what? Chicken Little. Like Chicken Little? Yeah, you remember Chicken Little. He's the one who said... Oh, the one who said the, the sky is falling, That's right? the one. Yeah, no, no. No, that's wait, wait. All right, this is Jim back with the corrections, but in a twist, I actually have Harry with me for the corrections. How are you, Harry? 
Thanks for letting me into this closet here. You got to clean this place up. And when you turn the light on, it's a it's a mess. Very but funny. Uh, this is where you do the corrections. Very, I yeah, I know. I had I see. I had Fred Sanford over last week. Fred Sanford said, "Yeah, this closet is a mess." So you're right. I do need to make some cleanups here. There's uh, there's these little tabs from the three hole puncher all over the floor, <laughs> white out. There's a razor blade for the old uh, tape that you cut up. I guess that's a sign of a true professional. Is there's, there's Hardcore editing going. Yeah, some, on. somehow you got into a time machine and you're in my closet from 1976, <laughs> but that's okay. All right, real quick, right. I, I, I just want to do the corrections real quick. Dick Van Dyke was on the CBS Morning News or their morning show in the late 1950s. Uh, ABC got its first Olympics in 1964, and then as you remember, Harry, they had them forever. They actually had uh, the Olympics exclusively for 20 years, from 1964 to 1984. The guy I got to talk about, and I, I, I alluded to it, but I never got to it, from the wide world of sports open, the ski jumper who falls off the, the, ski, uh, the ski ramp and it looks like he dies, his name, mm-hmm. Vinko Bagatage. Vinko Bagatage. Vinko Bagatage. He was a Slovenian ski jumper. He was never great. I think his highest ranking ever was 57 in the world. He didn't get that badly hurt when he fell off the ski ramp. But here's the thing that's incredible. He's in Slovenia. He becomes a forklift driver. He's a coach. He's a painter. It's the 20th anniversary of ABC Wild World of Sports, and so they invite him to come to New York for the banquet. So he says, oh, yeah. wow, this is this is nice. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah, I guess I'll come. You know, and of course, he's on the other side of the world. So he gets to the banquet. They announce all the people, all their famous people that were going to be on the, the dais, I guess, or the dais. Uh, how do you say that, dais mm-hmm. or dais? I've heard it both okay. ways, so you pick. So he's at the head table. I'll just say that. So they get to him, and they say, here he is, Vinko Bagataj, and they play his clip. And not only does he get a standing ovation, he gets the biggest ovation of the entire banquet. <laughs> and afterwards, Muhammad Ali comes up to him and he asks for an autograph. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Go bingo. I know. I, I felt so good about that because, you know, he was shown for five seconds every Saturday for 20 years. And he gets there and all of a sudden he's the bell of the ball, to use a phrase from my dad's era. But I thought that was great. Wow. That is great. I have to tell you, yeah. I'm kind of relieved uh, because I thought at the beginning you were going to tell me that he drove a forklift off a roof of a building <laughs> no. or something like that. Nope, nope. Great <laughs> life, great life. Very rewarding, very good painter from what I understand. And now there's one more thing that I need you to do, and I'm going to ask you to go to the computer real quick. Uh, earlier we talked about uh, Bonnie Blair because you had seen her. Uh, yes, 20- Bonnie Blair. She was a, an Olympian, won medal- many uh, medals in speed skating. But we said, gee, I wonder what she looks like today. So go to your computer and type in Bonnie Blair 2020. And look, no. look, at, look at the most recent picture, because I was just going to say how I thought she looked, but I said, no, you know, that's not fair. It's probably good to get another opinion. So Bonnie Blair that's in 2020. Bonnie Blair. Yeah. To see how different she looks from when I saw her drinking a beer over at the Cubby Bear around about 1993. Okay. Yeah. What do you think? Well, I mean, she yeah. looks the same. Yeah, I was gonna say she looks okay. Yeah, she she's not. I mean, you know, hardened around the edges, but uh, who am I? You know, we've all had a long 
lot of miles of rough road, as they say. But uh, other than that, she's not swelled up. Right. She's no no candidate for the Macy's parade or anything like that. Okay, so so you would say she looks okay to pretty good. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. I'm going to get back to editing the podcast. Harry, you get off the phone and get back to lawyering up there in the Chicago area. Does that sound good? Well, I, uh, I'm i close. I was actually planning on loitering, but uh, whatever. We're one letter off. So either way, happy new year.